Oh, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ballgame. Take me out to the ballgame, take me out with the crowd, buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks, I don't care if I ever get back, let me You're out at the old ball game. Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome to Let's Get Two. I'm your host, James Christopher. We are out here at beautiful DuPage Medical Group Field, normally just the home of the Joliet Slammers, but currently the home for the City of Champions Cup. So we're going to be watching the Slammers, the Tully Monsters, the Deep Dish, and the Nerds Herd all compete. This was Joliet's answer to the COVID-19 by performing their own pod. We have a great show for you. Jessica and I are out here at the ballpark for two games. We can't wait to bring you some of the stories behind those games. And Jessica Astor will be joining us to talk a little bit about the MLB's latest proposal to the MILB for the latest in contraction and all that. Well, not fun stuff, but stuff that we've been following. So it looks like we're close to the end of the story. Before we go, though, we do want to send another shout out and just a congratulations. And maybe congratulations is not the right word, but our appreciation to the MLB teams, including the Astros just the other night who decided not to play to support Black Lives Matter and to continue to spread that very important message. Let's Get Two is behind that movement and we're behind you. So again, we appreciate all those teams that have taken a stand. We hope that we can really move forward as a country. But like I said, we have a great show coming for you, so stay with us. Show me the merch. The best from the pro shop. Hey y'all, we're back here on Show Me the Merch, our best from the from the pro shop, and we just got in from Joliet. I'm actually recording this less than 24 hours from landing. Had a great time with the Slammers. You hear a lot more about that in the episode going forward. But sometimes what's really cool is when we get back from a a, a trip, sometimes there are other boxes waiting for us. It's almost like it's Christmas. So we're going to start uh, on my right by looking at you know, one of the teams that I was most excited to to get out to see this year, Nathan and I, Nathan who co-owns the show with me, we were had planned a big bourbon trip and, and then to see the Louisville Bats and the Lexington Legends. And in part, I never bought any official Bats gear because, you know, I wanted to buy it when we got when we got to the park. So obviously that didn't happen. And then my wife saw me in the mint julep shirt from a couple of episodes ago. And then next thing you know, I saw her wearing that, well, at work, but in her office, you know, three doors down, three doors down. So I had a need and they had a sale. And so here we go. Now I want to start with uh, the batting practice hat. Look, I, I love it when teams embrace the mascot look. And you've got a wonderful double entendre with Louisville. You've got the bats, i.e. the flying rat. 
they are pretty much rodents, right? And then you have obviously Louisville Slugger, the bats. That's a great look. And so I love the fun take on the mascot in the batting practice cap. And then I also got for Jessica, their logo hat. And again, it's a great look. It's got that very cool bat silhouette carrying a bat. And then of course, because Jessica's got wonderful Auburn hair, can you tell our wedding anniversary is getting close and she can do the ponytail pull through thing, which I think uh, most particularly baseball fans would agree. The ponytail through the back of the baseball hat is one of my favorite. She looked, it's one of the, one of the times I think she looks the best. So it's a, it's a great look. I did get a new um, mint juleps t-shirt which hopefully she will not steal. And they had a, had a discount going because the Kentucky Derby is getting close. Uh, the mint julep is a tie-in to that. I also got the logo baseball with the stylized LB. And then I got myself the t-shirt. I got one for Nathan as well with the large logo on the front of the shirt. Now, what's also cool is I also ordered a mystery box. And a lot of teams are doing those where they kind of just put some stuff in and kind of part of the fun is, is getting the box and seeing what's in it. And so I got another addition to my now oh so random minor league baseball themed garden gnome collection. Those of you who might remember, I got one from the Round Rock Express and I have one from the Vermont Lake Monsters. So now it's a thing. I'm going to try to find garden gnomes. Now in Joliet, we had a great time in at the Slammers. Like I said, you're going to see a lot more of that in this episode. But I really loved the design. I love the fact that the the logo for the Slammers and the just the overall merch design uses relatively non-traditional baseball colors with the primary colors being the green and orange. So there's the ball cap with the jailbird sitting on the bat. Pretty old school. You get a real like uh Blues Brothers vibe to it. And we were also so excited. We were ridiculously excited to be able to need to purchase Joliet Slammers three-quarter zips. Because when you're from Texas, 70 degrees in a ballpark is definitely sweatshirt weather. And then the Joliet Slammers Christmas ornament. Jessica and I are big Christmas people. Our most recent film was a Christmas movie. And we try to, anytime a, anytime a ballpark has a Christmas ornament, we absolutely get it. And so this one celebrates the 10th anniversary that was that was this year that, you know, unfortunately they haven't been able to celebrate as much as they'd hoped. Now, the other thing that arrived was one of my jerseys from the Colonel League. Now, a lot of these teams, you, you see them on our show a bunch. A lot of these teams will play in alternative jerseys, mostly Star Wars, not mostly Star Wars. They'll do Autism Awareness, Superhero Night, Harry Potter Night. And then what they'll do is they'll auction the jerseys off for a good cause I'm very, very close with the folks of the Colonel's Collegiate League, the normal corn belters. And anytime they have a jersey pop up, I do my best to support whatever cause they're supporting. But this one hit a little, a little harder, a little, a little harder when I got it. And it was the the gems Captain America jersey. And it hit hard because Captain America, leader of the Avengers. And obviously a big part of the Avengers was Black Panther. And it reminded me of the still very raw Chadwick Boseman's passing. I was a big fan of Black Panther. I'm a big comic book fan anyway. And what one of the things I love about that movie is not even just that it was a really good MCU film. 
led by an incredible cast. And I think one of the five best matchings of actor to comic book character, like, like it's almost Christopher Reeve level, how good that match was. But in my business, in my industry of the film business, a lot of times comic book movies are looked down upon by my colleagues. They, you know, I think when, when they had the new Batman trailer drop, someone said, why do we need another Batman movie? And, and I went on to the whole, why do we need any movie? The market will decide whatever. Watching um, the reaction of kids of all colors to the death of Black Panther and obviously more owned by the black community as it should be. But also, I think as, as we, if we look for steps of positivity and steps in the right direction, I, I saw several posts from white children as well crushed by his death and I, I, you know, several fake funerals where kids had set the Black Panther figure up and then you had, you know, uh, sometimes a mixture of Marvel and DC characters as as part of the, the funeral procession. What does all that mean? It means that this is why those that medium is important and it does reach kids and it does teach lessons and it does, in the case of Chadwick Boseman's passing, at a minimum build empathy for someone that maybe you didn't know, but you felt like you knew. And the world is a lesser place without a minute. It was, um, you know, if, you, if I, I, the thing that punches me in the gut is when I see all the time he spent with kids who had cancer and trying to comfort them. And now we know that he was also doing that himself. He's a true hero. He's a true superhero. He is um, going to be missed. I hope that his example carries on because the world could use a lot more uh, men and women like him. The Minor League Mind with Jess Canaster. All right, so we are back here on The Minor League Mind with Jess Canaster. And, you know, usually you're here once a week, but this is now twice in five days because MLB has made um, a proposal of sorts. That The proposal was, we'd like to shoot you in the face. I mean, it, it wasn't, it's exactly what, uh, was promised, which is, is good, I guess, because it's predictable, but it still kind of sucks. I mean, it's a, it's a proposal that really does contain, uh, all of the, or a lot of the specifics, uh, of just how major league baseball wants to be in charge of minor league baseball. And, uh, it does paint the picture of like I said, some of the things that they want to do, they want to uh, make it easier for major league teams to have ownership in minor league teams. Whereas currently you have to be a 50% owner or more of a minor league team. And uh, it would allow for uh, minority ownership of, of any kind. Uh, it would allow for what I thought was pretty funny. Um, the ability for major league teams to kick in money for facility upgrades for given ballparks in the minors because we all know how much Major League Baseball loves spending money on things they don't get immediate returns on. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the ones that stuck out to me. Because on the one hand, my, my first reaction was what yours is. Uh, yeah, like they're going to spend money. My other reaction was, seems silly that they couldn't already. Like it seems like, you know, and, and, I, and I, guess, I guess I understand why. But it does seem like those first two points you brought up goes back to our initial premise that this is a real estate deal. Well, and, and I, you know, just to, to finish that thought, 
even though it was written in that major league teams specifically could not kick money to minor league teams, these are billionaires. They're connected. They know ways to do things that are illegal, but make them either seem less illegal or just make it so that nobody ever finds out. Are you saying that this society is a rigged game and, and we're both losing? Uh, I'm just saying that my Rolodex is not as thick as some other people's. <laughs> and, uh, it gives me something to work for, I guess. Yeah, if working for it is what got us there, right? Like, that's the thing. Um, what were some other big takeaways on the, the, the proposal? And I think when I, when I made the shot in the face thing, it really is shooting the minor league baseball front office in the face. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Oh, yeah, it is. It is I mean, there, it is very uh, obvious why this proposal was not made while the minor league negotiation team was people made up of uh, Pat O'Connor's choosing the minor league baseball president that uh, this is a proposal that basically says all of this stuff that may, that minor league baseball does for you individual owners. Cause that's, that's who now major league baseball is speaking to at the negotiating table. Uh, all of these things that minor league baseball as the league office does for you owners, we're going to do it for you. We're going to do it for you for free. And we're uh, outside of the eight and a half percent ticket tax. Uh, We're going to do all this stuff that you otherwise had to give dues to uh, minor league baseball as a, as a league for to the league office. Uh, We're going to do it for you free of charge. And um, we are also going to kick you more money somehow. Didn't say how. Yeah. You know, everybody likes to hear two things when money is involved. I have to spend less and I get more. And if you like money enough and you are nervous enough about your money, you are going to be willing to not ask the questions of how are you going to be saving me money? Am I going to be getting the same return for my money, even though I'm spending less and you're going to make me more, how much more, how, and what part of my soul am I going to have to sell for? And you don't ask the question because they'll move on to the next schmuck who won't ask the question. Yes, exactly. That's it, right? Like, it really oh, you have a lot of questions. I can definitely go to this other team that we're yeah, not going to. The negotiation tactic is I have power, you don't. Therefore, I say something. If you don't say what I want you to say, then I'm going to go say it to somebody else. It does. Um, it reminds me that that line in Gross Point Blank when he says, I do, I, do, uh, I do business with lead pipe cruelty, sex, drugs, no real relationships. Like, it really is kind of. Kind of that, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of ways to, to, to uh, paint and it does seem to paint the picture that again, MLB is up to breaking whatever kind of a union or organization that is in their way. Well, and, and, you know, the news today, Monday, the uh, 31st of August, as we speak, there's already been news about the, uh, uh, the future of the first year player draft and how the first year player draft is going to be, uh, a minimum of 20 rounds because that was what was agreed upon between the two uh, governing bodies for that, both Major League Baseball and the Players Association. But the important part of all that is it's going to take place in July right. uh, around the All-Star break. And that then it seals the deal that there is going to be no more short season or rookie level baseball at the minor league level outside of the uh, the complex leagues and the Dominican Summer League. Uh, the, the, the DSL at least doesn't usually take first year players 
anyway, more, more international signees who are under the college age of drafting anyway. Uh, but no, uh, uh, back to, back to that point, it, it very much is, uh, we're going to just crush your soul because we can, uh, and this is just what's going to happen that, um, you know, they're moving forward with their plan. Nothing's been agreed upon by minor league and major league baseball, but major league baseball has just decided this is what we want to do. And it doesn't matter that we don't have an agreement for next year that you are okay with what we're going to do, but we're going to do it because we are in a position of power. And I think the, the draft thing really shows that off. Um, yeah. And, and it really is just a matter of minor league baseball uh, is, but in, in, you know, at least at the, at the uh, organizational level is, but a roadblock towards major league baseball getting what they want. And so I don't know necessarily that the, uh, fracturing of spirit as well as the fracturing of any sort of unity at the minor league level uh, was a specific goal of theirs, but I don't think it's something that they're minding is a side effect of it. It's an ancillary benefit. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. The later draft it could also affect collegiate summer leagues. Cause I'm, I'm wondering if you'll see as many senior players I don't know if it will. I mean, I know that you get a lot of um, – and maybe you will actually get more. I don't really – I haven't really parsed that. I do have two uh, questions for you, two kind of thoughts. One, you know, I had this sad moment. I got a bunch of new MILB logo shirts, including one that has the name of all 160 affiliated teams and realized that this now became an historical document. But does that – I mean, that logo goes away. That organization goes away, right? Uh, I think uh, I, th- I think it's all – anybody's best guess. I I would think the assumption is that major league baseball is going to, uh, you know, they, they want, they, they have the whole one baseball umbrella thing. Maybe there's a brand new logo for baseball altogether in, in the United States that is just going to get maybe different colorations depending on what, uh, what level it is. Maybe college wears something on the back of their caps in the future. If me, if uh, MLB has something to do with that, but, you know, the MLB logo and the minor league baseball logo look the same, except for uh, maybe the color, uh, the red, white, and blues are inverted or whatever. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's so much left on the table. I mean, to me, to, to that point of, you know, figuring out some of the things that could be seen as smaller, uh, the biggest thing, of course, that most people have been focusing on with the reorganization of the minor leagues is we want to go from one, as major league baseball, we want to go from 160 to 120. And yeah noticeably absent from the uh, proposal that Major League Baseball sent to MILB last week was the list of 120 teams that are going to exist next year, because that is not seen as as important right now as figuring out the monetary things. And, you know, I guess, I guess I understand. Yeah, it's not as important because if we can agree to the framework, uh, if, if the two sides can agree to the framework of it, then you can figure out the brass tacks of, who, who's still around and what, where, and any, any organizational changes and uh, uh, divisional realignments and, and whatever. But at the end of the day, that should be the most important thing for minor league baseball as a negotiating side. At least I think uh, a lot of people would agree that that is, that that should be the most important thing is who's going to be around. Cause it could very well be that people at that table are not going to have uh, ownership representation in the eyes of, ma- of Major League Baseball in the future, but the fact that they're willing to go ahead with it at least right now seems to indicate that that doesn't matter as much to them. I could be wrong. I could be yeah. very wrong. You know, I'm not sitting at that negotiating table, so 
you know, I don't have, I, I don't know that my frame of mind isn't represented, but it sure seems like if uh, it, it's more important to find out about the baseball cup, which that's which its we're own. Getting, which we're getting to. We'll, we'll wrap, we'll wrap up with that. But, you, but, I, but that's, but that's more important than who is going to still be around in minor league baseball to reap whatever benefits that major league baseball is going to provide or, or not, who knows uh, that, that to me seems like their priorities may not actually be in the best interest of minor league baseball as a whole. And you know, I, the sad thing is like the innovator summit is coming up. Who knows what they'll even be one of those again, because I mean, like, and I don't know that the innovator summit's a small thing and, and not anybody really knows who that, what that is, except for people that are really involved, but let's talk the baseball cup as we wrap up, you know, you talked about things that MLB promises with no specifics. They have essentially promised some sort of weird tournament where MLB and MILB teams play without, first of all, consulting owners of said teams or players union, which is immediately going to be a non-starter. What are your just real quick thoughts on that? Because to me, I don't want to see Bregman blow a knee because he just beat the Columbus Clippers who I'm wearing right now. I'm not interested in it. Well, as a, as a soccer fan, uh, you know, I follow, I follow uh, American leagues, the, that are domestic leagues and then international leagues, mainly uh, the English Premier League. And the immediate thought and comparison is the uh, FA Cup, which is the Football Association Cup in England, which basically says that all teams at all levels have the opportunity to win this trophy. And it includes amateur teams. It includes, uh, there's something like eight or nine levels in the football pyramid in England, the soccer pyramid in England, uh, where you have, you know, the, the, the champion or the, the top league, the, uh, English Premier League, that's only 20 teams out of something like 190 sure. that, that participate. So uh, the immediate comparisons to that, you know, that's not, it's not terrible. It's, it, I think it's, it's kind of cool to say, well, here's, uh, uh, you know, again, not knowing what teams are still going to exist. So this may, uh, this may not work so well for me. You know, it may not age well, uh, <laughs> but I think it'd be really cool to have the uh, uh, Beloit Snappers or whatever their new name is going to be next year uh, play a tournament one-off game against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That'd be really cool because where's Beloit? If you're if you're uh, if you're in Southern California, yeah. what is Beloit? What is a snapper? There are turtles. What? <laughs> so well, the idea that, that this tournament is supposed to be a, in the middle of the regular season, which makes it. Um, oh, holding it concurrent to the major league baseball and minor league baseball season is an absolute scheduling nightmare. Uh, I don't think it's logistically even going to be possible because of that. Um, I don't know that there would be any realism to the uh, idea that it would happen at the end or before both the major and minor league uh, baseball seasons, just because yeah. if you're going to try to determine the best team, you want teams to be playing in the season to do that. But if, if uh, you know, six out of seven days you're playing baseball, you're not going to really do much in the way of traveling. You know, why it works at the uh, English soccer level is because sometimes they have midweek games, but usually their games are Saturdays. Yeah. So that allows time. It would be, it would be akin to doing that for, say, college football, where you have a college football tournament in the middle of the regular season. So you could play a game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, then you get ready for the regularly scheduled conference game on a Saturday and, you know, player safety 
with football, uh, American football, but, you know, uh, to, to touch on one previous thing that, that was overlooked with the, with the scheduling, that's something that Major League Baseball says that they're going to be in charge of by getting rid of minor league baseball as a league office, is they're going to be in charge of scheduling, umpires, umpire development, uh, really just all the logistical side, uh, all, the, all the logistic side of, uh, of operating baseball, of operating a league and, you know, minor league baseball as an organization, they operate something like 15 leagues. And so this is something that's going to get swallowed up into major league baseball, which for the purposes of a baseball cup or anything like that, which me personally, I'd love to see uh, a champions league. If we're going to do any sort of emulation of anything, Give me the division winners from Major League Baseball. Give me the uh, maybe the two teams that compete in the champ in the championship round in uh, the KBO in in the Japanese oh, yeah. Pro League. Uh, give me some uh, indie league teams, some championship indie league teams, and let's do it that way. I think that's a that's a cooler way to go. I mean, maybe at the minor league level, you do a Triple A versus a Double A versus a High A versus a Low A and have that be uh, just a pot of stuff. But it'd be kind of weird to have the Houston Astros playing uh, the Round Rock Express. And, well, are we just going to lay lay one over for, for our uh, for parent club or what? So, I don't know. There's, there's a lot still yet to be determined at the major league, minor league agreement level. Uh, but I think the, the opening uh, proposal by Major League Baseball – does seem to indicate that you know anybody's worst fear with what would be uh, what would become of minor league baseball as, as we know it from around this time or I guess September October uh, of last year when we first heard about this. I think that is that is what's going to happen. From the bleachers, the let's get to game of the week. So we are back here from the bleachers, and we're actually from. From the bleachers because I forgot the microphones. <laughs> so, That's okay. So we're here. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell anyone. Yeah. We're here. It's uh, it's 25. But we're back from Juliet. We got yes. back in Juliet. Did I say Juliet? Yeah. We've been rewatching Psych. So we're back from Juliet, the yes. Slammers. Um, overall, first impressions of the ballpark in general. Um, really, you know, it's interesting when you're driving into Joliet and maybe there's different routes in, I couldn't quite get the feel or the right vibe of the town. I couldn't tell if it was small town, big town. I read online that I think it's the third largest city in Illinois. So there's that. And we kept kind of discovering little pockets where you would find areas that were very rural and then areas that yeah. were very city. So, um, the world's so, then, weirdest airport, strange airport. <laughs> yeah. But then once you actually drive into the downtown area, which you can tell is under a massive revitalization right now yep. because there's a lot of construction, but you can tell there's a lot of really cool old buildings and the ballpark kind of just jumps out at you as very impressive. It's a very impressive ballpark. Yeah. We, we both thought it was newer than it was because it's 20 years old, it's but it does not old, yeah. look 20 years old. But I do want to touch on one thing before we get into the ballpark. So yes. uh, like I said, a lot of construction. Oh, gosh. Downtown was... Was pretty much entirely under construction. Entirely under construction with detours, leading other detours. Yeah. Um, again, they're under revitalization. Yeah. That happens. I think it's going to be great when they're finished. I think so too. But we see this long line of people around the building. We can't figure out why. And it looks like they're going to a right. record store. Yeah. We're and like, we're like, that's what? random. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> and our the GM, Heather, from the from the Joliet Slammer is like, oh, it's National Record Day. 
which we had no idea, of course. But then she also proceeded to tell us there's three record stores in Joliet, all of which are doing big promotions yeah. for National Record Day. So I don't, I don't know. I, I thought I thought it was kind of cool. Um, yeah. One of your favorite parts was this: the building out, off to right yeah. to right field with the statue. Okay, so there is a structure of what's essentially a cross beam that would look like it was part of a construction project, and then they've got statues of just construction workers sitting on top of that cross beam. So it looks like they're overlooking the park and they're watching the game itself. Then right behind that cross beam is this building that has kind of a roof caved in and it really looked like it was building a whole shtick, right? Like it looked like it was part of the, the ambiance or the atmosphere of this kind of older um like industrial style building but no heather told us that that has not always looked that way <laughs> the roof flew off in memorial day it actually looks, kind of yeah adds like, a neat atmosphere to it it really know, does to be but, totally honest but i think overall we we did love the park yeah um you know there's a couple of features of the park i want to talk about but one of the things that struck me and it happened when we first walked in was people thanking us for covering the team and, yeah. and we even met a fan yep so many people were just like, thank you so much for coming out and talking about these guys. Well, it, I got to be honest. I think when I posted the selfie of me in the hat mm-hmm. was the widest reaction of people on Twitter and Facebook loving that look. Oh, wow. That's cool. So many people were like, got to go. You know, they might have seen some orders already. Um, That's so great. One of the things uh, I liked about it was the pod. So what did you think? Like the Joliet Slammers has a, as a brand, as an identity that we showed off in the Show Me the Merch yep. earlier this episode. Overall, though, Nerds Herd, Deep Dish, um, and the Tully Monsters. What did you think of some of the... I loved all the branding. I think it's super fun. Uh, the if for if you're not familiar, or if you, I don't know if you've explained it already, but a the, little bit, yeah. But so the Tully Monsters essentially are. It would be like the equivalent of the Barton Springs Newt here in Austin. Like it's just apparently, what is it? It's their state. It's, it's their state fossil. Fossil. Which we have in Texas. <laughs> and I know every other thing about our state except for, I don't know what the state fossil Who knows is. what that is. But no, I love but that. people yeah. really felt attached to it. And she said that merch was selling faster yeah. than just about anything. And the nerds heard. And the nerds heard, of which course, is adorable. Super, super fun. It w- we did have a funny moment where you asked me what I thought of the <laughs> deep dish logo. And I was like, I don't know. It seems a little cheesy. <laughs> Jessica jokes. I don't know if they're better or worse than dad jokes. A lot of, a lot of cheese. Um, before, there's a couple of things I want to want to get to before the gameplay. But but again, like the people at the park, um, um, the 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 fan, the super fan that came up to they came up to us to thank us for being there. And it's not like we're there. We don't bring that up because we're looking for a pat on the back for covering them. Yeah, it no. is. I think it goes to the mission of the show. Yeah, that there is great baseball everywhere if you look for it um to that point real quick on great baseball i was feeling like the talent of the game was looking heads and shoulders above the best in the second game over the first game but as we were talking to people it was actually a round robin uh draft yeah, that was kind of yeah they did so really the the players on the field are pretty equally matched and it sounds like it's just kind of depends on the day of the week. Baseball. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It's baseball uh, like every other team out there, I guess. The ball was flying out uh, yeah. of the park. We saw so many home runs. That was amazing. And monster shots. Like you yeah. were the one, the one I missed and I took a photo of the guy. You're like, dude, that's rolling down the street. Like yeah. it oh, left yeah. the it was park. Gone. Um, well, they even have a kind of cool way to measure when you go out of left field. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. so that was actually my favorite part <laughs> to the point that I texted our contributors. Yeah. So 
And it's such a, it, it reminded me of what I've heard about Baltimore oil Orioles park at Camden Yards to do something similar where on the fire station across the street, they have it marked out as like 560 feet. I'll, again, I'll have the image up under our yeah. interview, but uh, I thought that was super fun. Super fun. Uh, the other fun part was um, they adopted something that the Red Sox do, I guess, there where they do Sweet Caroline, but they didn't. Yes. Because <laughs> they said they put a massive graphic up with Sweet Caroline and the big red X through it and said, can't do it because of social can't. distancing. There's no holding hands. No, There's no, no touching. <laughs> Uh, so instead, what did they play? I love the fact that they went to uh, Keep Your Hands to Yourself by the Georgia Satellites. So fun. A ridiculously underrated rock song. Ha, yeah. <laughs> Completely underrated. But appropriate for a COVID time. But, co- but appropriate for COVID. Oh, my God. That's why they picked it. You didn't get that? Oh, my God. This very second. <laughs> this very second. I was just like. Oh my God, keep your hands. See, I'm really smart, but sometimes I'm not so fast on the uptake. I just was like into the song that I You were so into it. I I didn't realize you didn't pick up on the joke there. (laughs) That's great. And to show that we're having transparency, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to let it. it. Who's on first? The Let's Get To Local Nine. Brought to you by Zoomer Sport. We're excited to welcome to the Who's On First segment, the general manager of the Fond du Lac Dock Spiders, Mr. Chris Ward. Chris, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited. I got to start off by saying y'all have one of the best brand designs in baseball, period. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself, though. How did you end up going from, I presume, like a baseball fan to end up being the GM of a team? Yeah, so uh, starting out young, basically, my mom worked for HBO, so they had a lot of fun events, and I was like marketing is an awesome thing to get into. Uh, my dad brought me up in baseball and was always a Tiger fan. Um, so once I went to Illinois State, kind of started looking for that athletic opportunity, got involved with programs there, uh, ended up working for an independent league team in Schaumburg called the Schaumburg Boomers, uh, was a ticket box office representative for them for a summer, um, actually moved out to Missoula, Montana after graduation and became the promotions person out there and then uh, wanted to move closer to home. So interview with the Timber Rattlers. They mentioned they had the new team in the Northwoods League, the Dock Spiders coming up and uh, basically jumped on first year. So 2017, I've been here. Well, first of all, speaking of 17, thank you for Justin Verlander. Um, you know. sure. No problem. No, thank you for, we're still waiting for him, but Daz Cameron and Franklin and hopefully Rogers, you know, we'll see how he pans out, but it's always I- exciting waiting for some some prospects. It's been a while. Most of the time we were just spending big money on Justin yeah. Upton and Prince Fielder and all these other guys. And now it's exciting to see some youth that we're bringing up through our system. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Northwoods League because it's really kind of, I think, one of baseball's best kept secrets. What is it about that brand of baseball that you think people should know about this whole, so, so, this whole collegiate summer league thing? Yeah, I think uh, just the kids that come through. I mean, you get, you know, kids from Ole Miss, Dandy, and all these programs are watching nationally and to see them in person and come here and how they interact with fans. And, you know, all of a sudden we have a little four-year-old that's like, Oh yeah. Like Tim Elko, for example, is my favorite player. And, you know, he's playing catch and everything like that. Obviously this year was a little different um, because we kind of tried to stay away from the fan interaction and players getting out there. Um, But years before and previously, it's been awesome just to have these guys in the community and get them out there and have people get interested in baseball. Let's talk a bit about the fans, because one of the things I love about the Northwoods League is that is your focus. Um, we obviously had COVID. How was it for you guys, you know, in Fond du Lac to go from 
no base or baseball to no baseball to now some baseball. And, and how did y'all come about putting the pod together? Yeah. Um, so we were trying to jump on early. Um, we're actually owned by the Timber Rattlers. So their whole staff, once their season was canceled, came down here and helped out. So it was a huge help. Um, but basically jumping in the pod, there was six teams total, including us, um, which was nice, you know, obviously local teams and we're just driving around and playing, um, and it was easier to control. Um, so putting them together and then the timber rattlers coming down and all of them have, you know, they have a staff of 30 people. So even our, our webcast, the Northwoods league webcasts every game. Um, so handling that and having a guy that knows what he's talking about and being able to fix those things that come up was super nice. Um, and I know the GM in the past, it was basically on him or an intern. And obviously the intern has experience, but not to the extent of, you know, they're still trying to gain that experience and knowledge. Um, so that was a huge help in every other area promotions, concessions, you know, we had a lot of the cooks that were up there coming down here. Um, and they're actually doing the taxi squad, taxi squad now for the brewers. Um, so they're kind of jumping in up there and we're helping out up there too. So it's been a, a fun sister team connection and we've gotten to know a lot of the staff, you know, a little bit more because most of the time they're working Timber Rattler games and we're working here. So it's right. a little bit but now to come together and, you know, we'll always help out up there for some in concessions or whatever it may be, but um, to have a whole summer with them, you learn a lot and it was definitely a big help. How important is it, you know, so <clears throat> from a fan perspective, we're out of Austin, Texas, and we were doing the same thing you guys were, didn't know if we'd have baseball or not. And then I ended up, uh, the Round Rock Express became the Round Rock Men, joined the TCL, which is a not as good collegiate summer league as what you guys are in. But the first time I heard a crack of a bat, I didn't realize how much I missed it. How much, how, how was that for you guys and for your fans when you thought you weren't going to have baseball, then you get to have it again? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we talked with the county and, you know, state representatives and anything um, just to make this a safe environment. So we were making sure we were doing it right. So our max capacity was 470. Um, the way we had it set up, though, was basically like, you know, we had a row of eight people and then there would be three seats separating those two sets of four. And then we would skip a row and do the same thing. And we had picnic tables. So our picnic areas were basically just individual tickets for this year. Um so it kind of varied, but usually we had about 400 people per um, game um, and socially distanced. We measured out all the seats. So it's six feet apart. Um, we had hand sanitizer all over the ballpark, you know, everything wiping down seats, wiping down the bathrooms, um, pretty much everything that was the new norm. It was interesting to put in place here at the ballpark, um, just making sure all our players are safe. You know, we were temp checking them before they came in. Everyone had to get tested before the season started. If anyone felt sick or, you know, anything came up, we sent them out to get tested. Um, so it was kind of, you know, new things that we had to look out for, but definitely an interesting piece. And a lot of fans, when we sent out the fan survey, just commented on how safe they felt and how well it was done. So we appreciated that. And just them coming out and supporting us, we sold out every game, um, especially during this time was, was huge. Yeah. I wonder, uh, have you guys thought about the, the level of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? the sort of credit you built up with fans knowing the effort that you went through to make them feel safe. Have you thought about what that's going to mean in the future? Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of thank yous, um, you know, at the end of the season and winning the championship helps so much to make it all worth it. It definitely helps. Um, but I think in the future, I think it'll help just people buying ticket packages and having that urgency, you know, cause we had to turn some people away because we were sold out and trying to keep everyone safe. That six foot rule. Um, so I think a lot more interest in ticket packages for the future and, 
fans knowing that we do care about them. Absolutely. Even in a COVID season, we're trying to put all the safety protocols in place and, and it was, it was a good thing for the community, something to do and something that, you know, brings summer back basically. And a little bit of normalcy is goes a long way. So have y'all started thinking about 20, 2021 yet? Like, do you, I mean, how, how does that work for you? Do you plan on, Hey, it'll be fine. Or do you start to plan on eight different possibilities? Yeah. Again, you just never know. And I think everyone in the country doesn't really know what next year is going to bring. And right. now all sports are getting pushed back. So there's just so many questions. Um, and we're kind of in the same boat where we're just going to wait and see. And obviously we have all the, the things from this year to carry on to next year. Um, if things are different, um, but yeah, we're hoping it, it'll be back to normal and we can get promotions going and all the fun stuff that we usually do to bring fans out and, you know, fill this place up more than the 470-ish yeah. down to. What is your normal capacity? Our normal capacity is a little under 2,000 for like a full sellout and all picnic okay. and everything set up. Um, okay, so I guess, you know, the, the, the most important question that I've been, when I've been talking to people, what have you learned both about yourself and about your team in this situation? Yeah, uh, so much. I mean, we had probably six interns, so our team was uh, stepping up in multiple different areas. We kind of gave them different hours just to make them feel comfortable. Um, but I mean, just the hard work and seeing everyone come in every day and grind away. And I mean, it happens every year, but when you actually see it, especially when you're going from you know, 0% where everything's shut down and everything's, you know, at ease. And you don't really know if there's going to be a season or not. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going in two weeks. Like, let's get it going. Let's set it up. And all these new protocols we got to put in place. Yep. We got two weeks. Two um, weeks. Wow. That it was, it was great. And again, we were preparing the whole time. Um, we just didn't know when we, we were going to go ahead with the Northwoods league and all these other teams that were going to jump in and when they were going to be set. Um, but yeah, it was it definitely appreciated that just the amount of time that we went from zero to a hundred and how effectively we managed that. I wanted to talk about the kids, the guys you had playing for you. What was the overall sense of them? I mean, again, they were just as, they've got also careers to look forward to yeah. afterward, and we all know how important summer league baseball is to them. What was their overall kind of vibe of the guys that you had playing? Yeah, I think this year we had like. I don't want to say more talent than in years past because we've always had that great talent, but this year with the Cape canceling and some of those guys coming in us and in the Northwoods league. Um, so we had some high end prospects that, that were drafted previously out of high school and, you know, decided to go to college and play through. Um, but a lot of those guys were just kind of sick of talking COVID because I mean, every news station is reaching out and they're like, Hey, we want to talk about the Vandy kids and they want a national title. And then, you know, what, what's the deal with COVID and how has it affected Nashville area and everything like that. And they just wanted to play baseball and it was awesome. Um, you know, they did a great job for kids that were locked up in quarantine for, you know, two months, three months and their season yeah. was down to come in here. Um, and they were all safe. We had zero cases of COVID. Um, so, I mean, they did a great job especially for being 19 year olds, 20 year olds, you know, that were pretty much going to college where, you know, obviously there's an aspect of like going out and partying and they, they were responsible and it was awesome. It was awesome <laughs> to get through and everyone be safe. Especially if you're a, a student athlete at a, at certain colleges, there's a certain, yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm down the road from the university of Texas. I know, I know that not everybody on sixth street's got a, got a valid ID. Um, sure. You know, Chris, I wanted to actually just thank you as we wrap up from just a baseball fan's perspective. Um, it would have been so easy for you guys to take a knee on the season and push it to 2021. But 
I think everybody needed that. And I just really want to thank you and your team for all the hard work that you guys did to bring baseball back. Appreciate it. Yeah, much appreciated. It was definitely a, a grind of a season and something you never expect, but I'm so glad that we could put it on and get some baseball back. And now, Ballpark and Chill, the best in binge-worthy baseball. So we're excited to welcome to Let's Get To, to our as of right now unnamed segment from Bells of the Ball. We've got Kaylee Cavallari and Danny Hunt. How are y'all today? Good. <laughs> we are all nice and quarantined, I guess, still. How are y'all doing with all of this nonsense? <laughs> It's been crazy, but I mean, I've enjoyed my time at home with my my family and my dogs. But yes, it's it's quite crazy. Danny, it, how are you? It's been kind of cr- like like Kaylee said, it's crazy. Like every day is kind of different. Although I started to make a like schedule, and now I'm back to work. I'm a teacher by day, and I go back to the school to teach virtually still. But that has been. <laughs> exciting to say the least. I teach I run a film department in a high school um and it's the same thing like I'm teaching online from here for the next two weeks and then I've got the world's most intense boss oh uh, yeah who has started to figure out because he's a German shepherd so he's brilliant so he knows that if I'm not up here by 8 30 he stands halfway up the stairs and starts to bark at me and I'm like there you go they're so smart this is the worst. Um, so tell me a little bit about y'all. How did y'all get into baseball in the first place? And then how did you find each other? Oh man, the million dollar question. Yeah. So um, I started working for a minor league baseball team right after high school, uh, the Tri-City Dust Devils. And that is how Eric, the peanut and guy and I met. Oh my gosh, you're wearing the shirt. This yes. was not planned. <laughs> yeah, you had not- no idea. Not, not only was this not planned, I had a oh shirt on three hours ago, and he tripped me, and water went everywhere. Serendipitous. I love it. For my podcast yeah. only listeners, I'm wearing a Tri-City Dust Devils given to me by Eric the Peanut Guy. I mean, what a guy. Sorry to cut you off. Wow. No, that's just, it's too funny. And like I said, serendipitous that you're wearing that. And so, yeah, he, uh, he and I met there, and uh, that's how I started working in baseball specifically. And then, um, I, um, later moved to Boston and I now work for the Boston Red Sox and it's just become like, you know, I feel at home when I'm at the ballpark. And so I, um, have had the opportunity to travel quite a bit and that's how the passport, my personal blog got started. Um, and then Instagram is how Danny and I connected, but I'll let her jump in here. Danny. Um, I got into baseball when I was little. I actually was raised by a football player. So like football is my first, my first love, but, um, I got into it watching with a good family friend and I would just ask a bunch of questions and the Yankees were my first favorite team my mom's from the Bronx. And that was the first stadium I saw as a little girl. And it was, you know, seeing the old Yankee stadium as a little kid, you're just like, well, what is that? (laughs) So that's, I've always been a baseball fan, even though football is in my blood. So got into baseball and then I was like, you know, let's start a sports blog. And I had my own sports blog before I took over the sports brat. And it's just kind of taken me on this journey. And I never thought I would have a podcast until Kaylee reached out to me one day out of the blue and was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) 
and we literally went full speed ahead and because like we literally found each other on instagram so, so that's my question y'all didn't know each other no, no. instagram we've, so how did we've never met in person yeah I feel like this is the part where you all come out of each office door and we, never mind. That would be my movie, <laughs> not a movie, putting something together. But how did you guys meet on Instagram and decide, like, yeah, I want to, because that's a big trust to put into someone. Yeah, definitely. Person. I think that um, when you have a specific niche on Instagram, you're automatically drawn to the people who are within that same niche. And so you can see kind of like what their vibe is and you, you get to know their personality through not only, only with posts, but like their stories. And then you start, um, Danny and I specifically like started DM each other back and forth because of something that one of us posted. And like I said, you just kind of get to know each other that way. Um, and I think that the funny thing is that Danny is a Yankees fan and I'm a Red Sox fan. And so we had this kind of like, I, what am I trying to say? Like fun quarrel going, you like, know, just like banter all yes. the time. And yeah. we don't take anything too seriously. I mean, of course, deep down we're like seething, you know, yes. but, but other than that, like we literally are able to put rivalries aside and just talk and be friends and, you know, have conversations about what we love and that's sports. So. I, I do love that about, I think in particular baseball, um, I love that you describe Instagram because it sounds like the anti-Twitter where everyone's super fake and a jerk on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I've taken a beating because I'm an Astros fan and mm. I've been pretty upfront about the scandal, but also pretty unapologetic about it. But I've become the guy of like, hey, you want to have a reasonable conversation? Then my buddies tag me. And I'm like, well, gee, thank you for bringing that energy into my life. But it's the opposite where you meet him on when you go to their DMS and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you're a real nice and reasonable person. Why did you just tell me to die five minutes ago? But um, I digress. So tell me a little bit about, about the show. Like what makes it different? What makes it stand out? Um, I think it's just that we are this crazy long distance family, right? So Kaylee's in Boston, I'm in Houston and we don't, we film, we record it long distancely. And it's literally a conversation. Like you're listening in on two girls on the phone, checking in with each other weekly. And it's literally that kind of conversation. It's organic. You hear us like, Oh wait, did you see this? Hold on. Let me look it up. You know, it's an organic conversation that you just, you get to have that three way phone call where you're silent (laughs) and you're just listening in. Yeah. I I love the real side of that. That's great. Yeah, I think that was when in pre-conversations before we kicked anything off, I think we had a very real conversation and said, I mean, I try to be as authentic with my uh, with my followers and my community, and I see that in you. So that's what we don't want to take this too seriously. We want to have a conversation uh, talking about what we love, which is sports, but we want to have this authenticity that never goes away. So you're getting, right. you're getting all of us. You're, it's never going to be like, so today on sports, we learned that statistics, right. statistics, it's like, this is just us. And we're so authentic. I have to ask you, Danny, are you from, were you born and raised in Houston? I was born and raised in Houston. My dad played for the Houston Oilers, which is how I ended up born here. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Um, I, I love the fact that the city finally got proactive about a hurricane. Uh, but yeah, 
it, and it, it zigged because uh, I'm born and raised. I'm in Austin now, but born and raised in Houston as well. Oh yeah, it literally like I woke up this morning and I went down and I was like, "Where's all the wind? Where's <laughs> like it?" Literally made Laura was very indecisive. She was literally a crazy driver and right. made that sharp right out of nowhere. And we didn't even get the wind bands that we were supposed to. I think we had a max of like four miles an hour, which we were expecting. Like we put all of our patio furniture away. Huge digress. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, it was, we did the same thing with the show. Like we had, uh, we have a Go Go Astro segment, and we recorded it two days ago because we yeah. don't know what's going to happen um, with the storm. So you guys are getting ready to launch season two, right, of your show? Yeah. What yeah. can we look forward to? What what are, what are you guys excited about? Kaylee? I, I think staying in the um, same authentic vein, we've obviously with the rest of the world, we've had to shift. We've had to um, make a few changes because sports in the world is not normal right now. Yeah. So we've had to, uh, we took a small break and we said like, what, what is it that we want to focus on in this next season? So I think you're still going to get a lot of great content from guests. Um, but they, I think we're going to weave in a few more topics that are just like everyday life and, um, kind of like what we've been doing through quarantine, what's kept us sane. Uh, yeah, kind of along those lines. And I think what's going to be exciting is we're both going through some things in our personal lives that are worth talking about that a lot of people go through on a day to day. And um, like, for example, I'm completely rebranding the sports brat. So I'm taking everyone on that journey of like change, you know, and Kaylee's going through things as well that, you know, um, I don't know if she wants to share this, but I'll go ahead and share it. Can I share it, Kaylee? Sure. Oh, but she's 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 a first time home buyer, right? So that's like an exciting thing, and um, you know, that's you know, people like to hear about those things and the processes, and you know, just real things integrated within our sports world. I think one of the things that I like about um, the show is just that. Are y'all cognizant of the fact that you're that even just by being yourselves? you're making everybody feel a little bit normal in a time when we're all very heightened. Like, is that part of, does that, are you cognizant of it while you're doing it? Hmm. That's a good question. I also think my normal is weird. So, <laughs> so like people are probably, I like think, but I think, I think is weird. And, but it's funny when people respond like on Instagram and they're like, Oh my God, I'm the same way. And you're like, really? Oh, okay. And so, yeah, I think that is kind of refreshing. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, like I've started in my, on my personal blog to like try these new things that I never would have tried before. Um, Making, recreating ballpark food is like this whole new thing to me. I'm not a cook and I'm not a baker, but it's, as Danny said, it's refreshing to like put myself out there and maybe fail, but then have someone be like uh, relate to that. So yeah, it, it, it's nice. It's, it's refreshing. And have y'all been able to get out to any ballparks in the pandemic? Like Danny, did you get to Sugarland at all to see those guys? Or? I went to the Skeeters um, like the second game they opened back up and that was actually really nice because it was like, Ooh, was that a crack of a bat? 
oh, I haven't heard that <laughs> since last year in person. So I did get out there and that was nice, you know, just to have a little bit of normalcy, a hot dog in hand, a drink and a ball game in front of you. So yeah, I did get to do that. Kaylee, no? No live sports for me. The closest is the restaurants near Fenway have kind of taken over the streets. So I went and had dinner down there, but, and you could hear the announcer, uh, but no, no live, no live sports for me. <laughs> kind of cool though, still hearing an announcer. Yeah. 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 And it's been weird to watch MLB games because I can no longer judge what's a home run anymore because there's no crowd noise. So everything oh sounds like it's gone to me. And I'm like, yeah, you're a better fan than that, Jim. You don't, you, you know, that not everything's gone. So where can everybody find you guys both on Instagram and the show? You can find me, Danny, at the Sports Brat pretty much anywhere. You can find me also on the sportsbrat.com. And you can find me at the Sports Passport and the sportspassport.net. But you can find our show on Instagram at bellsoftheball.pod. And then pretty much our podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Holler and a swaller, a chug of ballpark brew. Presented by The Hitter Sports. We are back here on Holler and a Swallow, presented by The Hitter Sports. This is our look at ballpark brews. And Jessica, what do you got for us? So uh, today I've got the Pilcher's Pale Ale, and it's made right here in Joliet, Illinois. It just actually right across the street in the Union Station is a brewery called Migraine Brewery. Get it? Migraine Brewery. Super cute. How about you? What are you drinking? I am drinking Alarmist Brewing, which is from Chicago, we're told. And it's the Les Juges which I think is French for a thing, not no, French for a thing. No, it's really good, so uh, we're having a great time. Having a wonderful time. It's been a beautiful day out here, a lot cooler than in Texas, so we're happy about that. Holler as well, baby. Holler. Cheers. I went the wrong side of the mouth. <laughs> this segment's going to kill me. <laughs> this just in. News from Minor League Baseball. So we do have some, not so much breaking news as just some stuff I wanted to address really quickly in the show before we ended this episode. We did talk in an earlier segment about the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick, of course, is probably at this point most famously known for playing Black Panther, King T'Challa in the MCU. But he also really rose to prominence in ja as Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. Now, the movie's problematic. Uh, we've had several filmmakers on and we've talked about what did or didn't work. But I think most people universally praise, as they should, Chadwick Boseman's performance as Jackie Robinson. It's probably going to be the definitive portrayal of the character, though I'm sure there will be others. But it was a very sad, very Hollywoody day because, you know, Chadwick died on the day MLB was acknowledging Jackie Robinson Day. Also on the day that Jack Kirby's death had occurred, or was it his birth? But either way, the creator of Black Panther, it was a lot of very weird stuff. But it kind of really came home when we were at the Joliet Slammers game, and a member of the Slammers knelt during the anthem. And this guy felt the need from the stands to yell expletives and tell him he was going to hell and bring up God. I won't get into how I reacted. Let's just say there was a reaction. And it's just, it really struck home one of the things that bugged me about the Astros choosing not to play on the original intended 
Jackie Robinson day. And it was a lot of people saying, well, Jackie would have played, Jackie would have played. And I don't think they fully understand the trans, the, the transformation of history. Yes. Jackie Robinson would have played. He would have felt compelled to play. He played despite being called the N word. He played despite threats against his family and violence. The whole point is that African-American players like Tony Kemp and Mookie Betts didn't have to play. They're not playing was their protest. Jackie's protest was playing. Their protest was now be having the ability to say, I don't, I don't have to play. And it worked because it got people talking. And I'm just not interested in, you know, Andy, Andy Tom Chesson said, said this to me. I, um, I'm not interested in listening to people who probably in that time and place would have been angry that Jackie Robinson was in the first, was in baseball for the first place. I'm not terribly interested in their opinion on what Jackie would or wouldn't have done. No one knows, but Jackie, but now as we continue to move towards this idea of racial, racial justice and, and, and true equality, Black players have the ability to get our attention by not playing. That in and of itself is progress, and we need to respect that step. And, you know, people are going to feel what they're going to feel about it. Some people have claimed that they are never going to watch the Astros again, to which I repeat my request. Sell me your gear cheap because I'll take it. A couple other things as well, as has been the the call for support of our minor league teams. You know, we got a we got a ball um, from the Rocket City Trash Pandas. It's got the seal on it that says their inaugural mission, which, of course, in true NASA fashion, was scrubbed this year due to the coronavirus. And it just kind of breaks my heart. The the the, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Missoula Paddleheads, um, the Norwich Sea Unicorns, all of these either new teams or new brands, the Wichita Wind Surge, didn't get a chance to kick off. And some of them might not get a chance to play at all because they're on the contraction list. Some of the teams that were on the contraction list might not have had a chance to say goodbye to their fans. And regardless of what, you know, rich MLB owners think, or regardless of what some of my friends who don't really care about any level of baseball other than the 30 major league teams, it's important. It matters. Those teams have an effect. And so if you have the means and the interest, you know, I recommend supporting teams like the Trash Pandas. Um, I generally don't put balls in cases unless it's a game I've been to, but I will this one because I think it's important. So um, please do some research, look at, look at, look up teams in your area and do your best to support them like you would any other small business. And finally, here's a photo that's going to shock everyone. I want to thank Spencer Schwartz for doing this. I had had him on the show. He is the New York Yankee hat of the day guy. He is really nice and genuine and and like I think real baseball fans celebrates fandom. And I had made the statement to him that I was coming to a Yankee game. It would not be Yankees at Astros. I want to experience being at Yankee stadium without uh, fandom and vitriol kind of being part of the equation. I want to just go and experience what a Yankee fan would be like. And, and I thought, you know what, if I'm talking to the Yankee hat of the day guy and I don't usually wear other Major League Baseball hats, but I, he should pick out a hat for me to wear. And he sent those to me. And on a day that it's been pretty crappy, in a week that's been pretty crappy, and in a year that's just all in all sucked, 
the gesture of such generosity and niceness is something we all need. So thank you so much, Spencer. I'll let you know which one I pick. The others will go on display in places and, and you're an example of what I think all of us should be, you know, and, and there are going to be Astros fans who are going to be, uh, you know, going to be a hard time for wearing it. And they're going to be other people who are going to look at it as some sort of victory. I think what we all need to realize is, is that baseball isn't doing well from fans and we need to find a way to obviously support your team. And I, and I can find a reason to be supportive of any of the other baseball teams, except for one. And that is Arlington. And I've discussed the reasons why, but obviously get fired up about your team, but realize that that baseball is stronger when all the 30 teams are strong and the fan bases are, are excited. So Spencer, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, the energy, the funds to do that. It really means the world to me and is something that I probably won't forget. And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So the sun is setting out here at DuPage Medical Group Field, and that does wrap us up for this episode of Let's Get To. We want to thank everybody at the Joliet Slammers for having us out. Just a quick reminder that they were our independent ball club of the season, so we're very excited to get out here and enjoy some cooler temperatures. We're wearing long sleeves. We're having a great time. We'll be back on Friday with another great episode. We hope you all have a great week. Stay safe, stay sane, and let's get to it.